You are listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. And welcome to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC, season two, episode six. Continuing on in our misquoted series, glad to have each and every one of you here. Angie, hello, welcome. Hi, Joel. Chris, welcome, hello. Joel, good to see you. Hi. Hey, uh, guys, I am <laughs> fresh back from Florida, and let me just tell you. We're jealous. It was a rude awakening back, I'll be honest with you. Lovely, sunny, lower 80s. Don't rub it in. <laughs> but I digress. But seriously, folks, it was fantastic. Good to be back with you guys. Uh if it weren't for you, I wouldn't have come back. Let's just be clear. I was, uh, we were trying to figure out how to extend our stay. It turns out like we had kids to take care of, blah, blah, blah. But uh, we're we're back. It's good to be with you guys, uh, continuing on our conversation on these uh, misquoted, misapplied, misunderstood uh, scriptures, Bible verses that we uh, so frequently encounter. And we're left wondering sometimes in the way they're used. Is this an accurate uh, use, uh, an accurate read of these texts? And uh, yet again, Chris, this past Sunday, continues to, uh, well, it just continues to ruin uh, every... I believe it's called piling on, Joe. Is that what it is? Yeah, just one on. after another. Yeah. Actually, uh, we So, yeah. So, what did you do this, this Sunday? <laughs> Joel... Was in Florida. I was, I was sitting in the front pew taking yeah. notes, Joel. That's good. I noticed that. Yes. Thank you, Angie. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Chris, we uh we we tackled we tackled this common uh this commonly quoted uh Jeremiah text, which which again yeah. uh is a favorite at all hobby lobbies. Uh just uh the the signage on on Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is it's it's considerable. So uh talk to us, Chris. What, what's going on? Here? Actually, it's interesting. When we started the series, this is the one question I probably got in the lobby or afterwards the most, and that was, uh, "Hey, are you going to talk about Jeremiah twenty nine eleven? Uh, I really did not initially plan this, and then we extended this series out just a little bit further. I felt like I had just talked about this. Uh, when I went back and I looked, it had actually been five years that had passed. <laughs> time, so that's how time, time, quick, time just yeah. kind of gets by you. But I did think, you know, the more I started spending time with the Lord, just asking, where, where are we going in this series? What should we be talking about? This one just keeps coming back because I think it's important, uh, especially when there's some key words in this about plans. I think there's some key words in this about the concept of prosper. What in the world does that mean? Uh, and so we're, we'll unpack that just a little bit today. But Jeremiah 29, 11 simply says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, the plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And this is one we like to pluck right out of the context of this section of Scripture. This is not just a context in one specific chapter. You have to look back through the whole book to just understand what in the world's happening. And I believe when we really look at this, we realize that the context we use it in is not the context that uh, that Jeremiah was writing in necessarily. No, because I think we say this is all about who? The big me. me. Yeah, the personal promise, right? Yeah, it's like God's telling me that I'm not going to have any really hard times, maybe not be difficult. I'm going to – I have plans. God's got this great plan, and it's going to be to 
be everything that I dream. Yep. Be it, uh, be it, uh, you know, I don't know, successful entrepreneur or, uh, TikTok influencer, what, whatever it is, uh, that, you know, because the idea is basically it's an idea of, uh, this text is used to, uh, baptize our, maybe some personal longings that we have or personal aspirations that we have. And, and it's not that necessarily all of your personal aspirations, they're not bad, they're not they bad, are not, bad. not no. bad necessarily. Uh, but the idea that, uh, that all we need to do is upon getting a sense of personal aspiration is just sneak on over to Jeremiah 29, 11, and there it is. Boom. Uh, all the affirmation you need for what you're doing. And- you know, how many times have we heard this at graduation or at kind of a send off, knowing that we were going into something new in our lives and it's going to give us a, a plan and a future and a hope. But I think like Joel, I do think we have to realize those things aren't bad. It's just we got to look at the whole context of who God's talking to. Well, I think it's important to, to also note, does God know? And the answer is yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely. Of course he knows. I mean, the omnis of yes, God that we, we said can talk that about, but but the issue is when we apply it in the way we do, we make it very me centric, uh, and I think that's the issue, right? Because we don't want to um, deny that God knows; He knows everything, and He's omnipresent. He's going to be part of everything. He's you know always all powerful, all those things. So, Joel, how does this? Uh, tie to what you know in youth ministry and how this is honestly probably diluted a little bit of some of our our cultural mindsets of who God is. Yeah, well, and it's, I mean, this whole, um, the I mean, the whole idea we think about uh, prospering you, not harm you, mm-hmm. give you give you hope in the future. Well, okay, um, what? We, we were discussing, and this was a part of our conversation back uh, as I was doing some seminars down in Florida. You know, when people who are growing up in the faith, so that's even like adolescents, young kids, whatever, we're, we are um, naturally, the part of, of maturing is is realizing there is a world that exists outside of ourselves that is, that is, beyond, our, that is beyond ourselves. And one of the things that we do to keep ourselves stuck in a place of kind of an adolescent, a young person understanding is to apply texts like this to sort of just say, whatever you you want, that's what God wants. Um, And we begin to elevate our own, kind of our own initial, what call it what you will, selfishness, self-focusedness, whatever. And then, you know, when we're having these conversations also about, I think, I would like to say that within the church that we uh, that we don't have conversations about extended adolescence, but we we do, where uh, where we would hope that a, a person would begin to say, okay, because uh, which Chris will get will get to this in a second, but the idea that this text is much more around a community of people speaking to a community of people about how God wants to form them. Um, if, if we if we take on that perspective, then it calls us out of a sense of self-focus in what this text is saying, but calls us to a greater like, oh, how can I participate in the life of a community that God wants to bless, that God wants to move forward for his purposes, that he wants to bring out into the world to declare who to declare who he is and bring good things things to. And by the way, the things, the good things that he's going to bring to them are things that help them declare who he is ultimately. I mean, that's what it ultimately goes goes back to. Um, 
but we hear prosper. We hear the word prosper. We hear prosperity. We hear, and I mean, I don't know. My my brain goes to to the accumulation of wealth and things. I think so often, but something isn't something else going on. Absolutely, doesn't this verse in essence become a hope point for us? So we say, hey, the Lord knows the plans, and and in our mind we know there's going to be tough days. We know there's going to be hardship along the line, but we're like hoping beyond all hope that this becomes the reality of our life, that we're going to be prosperous, wealthy, um, successful, that our well-being is going to be in good shape. And I think it's a hope point, and and that's just not the way life on earth always goes. Right, and I asked Joel specifically why um, youth go this way, because I think it's called, what we use the word around here, discipleship. So as you are discipled, you become aware of your surroundings and aware of your community and more aware of who God is. And that's how you study the Bible. And so, Chris, I think you brought it up on Sunday. We all want to buy a house in a perfect place and a perfect location. And sometimes in the Bible, we often open our scriptures and we just kind of I like that. Man, that has some great stuff for me. But we forget to look around the scripture. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the blessing in our world today are apps like YouVersion, uh, Google, and some of those types of things where we could search a keyword, and what we do is we find that word we're looking for, and then we pull it out, and that's a it's probably where we get into some trouble. I think it works sometimes. I do think, I think you know, so. like when we Google peace, he's going to talk about how to. There's a formula in the scriptures about peace. Correct, but, and then you're going to see listed all the different places that falls, but you still have to, to look around look the context. Around. So, <laughs> Joel, you weren't here on Sunday, but I was actually preaching, and I stopped in the middle of preaching after I covered the section. I looked at Angie, who was sitting in the front row. I'm like, "Hey, Angie." Uh, Make a note of this. We need to talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> little, little awkward moment, but I didn't know how to be like, oh, oh, because it just popped in my head because I think this is important. So we should really ask some questions, I think, when we're reading through Scripture. Uh, one of the questions is, what do the surrounding verses have to say? That, that just helps keep us with the integrity of Scripture in mind. What is being said? Let me look before. Let me look after. Let me grasp the concept. I think we have to ask the question, who the original audience or uh, is that the author is writing? to. Uh, and that that helps us. Is this to a person? Is this a promise to anyone who follows Jesus? Is this written to a specific set of people, a specific group of people? And I think the larger narrative has to be considered when we're looking through the Bible. What is it that the Lord is trying to communicate to his followers? What do we need to lo- know? What do we need to learn? What do we need to bring out? I think, um, Chris, like you're right, like our day and age, everything's microwave, you know, kind of thing, instant gratification, instant. And so we want a scripture and we just want to hold on to that. And Jeremiah 29, 11 is a perfect example of that. But we have to pause. We have to say, read the full chapter, which is just a button on our phones, or it's taking out our Bibles and actually looking at it. And um, one of these things I've been teaching the gals on um, Thursday mornings is Bible studies really fun. When you begin to look at the context, you begin to see a picture of who God is surrounding that one verse that you really felt was there. And when we begin to see that author, it it's pretty amazing how we get a big picture. And so this picture in Jeremiah 29 and 11 doesn't just go back to a few verses. And that's what I think oftentimes we we just want to read like that 
that one chapter, but the big story is important here. And it goes all the way back. How far, Chris? All the way back to what? 20? Yeah, I would say that this story, you have to start picking up the context really in Jeremiah chapter 25. Yeah. And when you see what's happening here, uh, we kind of look at this verse and think, oh, so the Lord just wants to bless us, and this is awesome. We don't see the struggle that was taking place. Life was really hard at this this time of, of, uh, of our history. And uh, the kings in Israel, the spiritual leaders, they were all corrupt. And this was not a good season. This was not one of those finer moments that you want to point back to in lineage and say, hey, those were some good days there. No, they weren't. Uh, it was a very disrespectful, a very disobedient group of people. Uh, the Lord had said, do not intermarry uh, because with the pagan tribes around you and the groups around you because of the concern that they were going to start worshiping other gods uh, besides just himself. And, and that very thing began to happen. And so when you look back in Jeremiah chapter 25, what you see is Jeremiah coming on the scene, and he is he's tasked with giving God's message to his people. And so the message to his people just continued to be, hey, I've been telling you this not just a couple times, not just for a couple weeks. I've been telling you this for 23 years. 23 years has been communicating this message. But then there's this key phrase that is said throughout Jeremiah chapter 25, and it is this, you have not listened. You have not listened. You have not listened, but you wouldn't listen. But but I, I thought it was really important that Sunday to point out what in the world that message was. So just, just not the fact that, hey, they weren't listening to Jeremiah, but what was it that God was actually saying to the children of Israel through Jeremiah? And this is what he said, Turn from the evil road that you're traveling and from the evil things you are doing. Only then will I let you live in this land that the Lord gave to you and your ancestors forever. Do not provoke my anger by worshiping idols you made with your own hands. Then I would not harm you. I will not harm you. The Lord's just saying, man, turn your attention, turn your focus back to me. And what they were doing, they weren't listening. They weren't listening. They weren't heeding the warnings. These things weren't happening. And uh, I just simply think, you know, as we were reading through it on Sunday— I said, hey, let's take a little commercial break. Let's talk about this concept for a minute. Let's not talk that the Lord is specifically saying this to us today. However, I think these characteristics are true. What about us? Are we listening? Do we listen and adhere to the things of the Lord? Because I really don't think we're that much different than the children of Israel. Shocker. <laughs> you know, like I, I, one of the great, uh, I learned this years ago, uh, I think from some, one of my professors, but the great maxim the uh, the Bible is not written uh, is not written to us, but it is written for us. And so there's an idea of there was this original audience that it's being written to, but boy, is it for us because to your point, it turns out human human behavior is shockingly uh, apparently we haven't evolved that much in a few millennia because you know it's it's shockingly similar um, that. Uh, Despite despite what we have seen God do, we quickly forget, or our attentions are drawn away by, you know, by by other other loves, other other pursuits. Uh, we we put hope in false things, and you know, and I I've been guilty of this. Sometimes I'm just reading, sometimes I'm reading through these Old Testament stories, and I go like, duh, like 
Why didn't you do that? Why Come didn't you get, get that right? <laughs> oh, like, what's the problem? And not knowing, not, not thinking to myself, well, I have the advantage of having all these stories right here smack dab in front of me. I'm not living in it in the same, in the same way where, you know, I, I have the, uh, yeah, I have the condensed, kind of the condensed straightforward version of just the, of all the facts and not in not being in the midst of every other thing that could, could have been distracting me and, and the fact that I'm, you know, I'm not in these communities, which is that's the other thing. I'm not in these communities that are collectively being challenged all the time for their collective obedience, right? And that in of itself is, uh, I think, just a powerful. It's a really, really powerful reminder. I mean, God, God is calling because um, the promises here. And this is like an area we'll call this a little bit of my biblical study uh, uh, geekiness here. Um, a lot of these promises. Uh, revolve around giving them a land that the, in which they will dwell as a, as a community. Um, so the word, uh, the Hebrew word ha'aretz, which is the land uh, in Hebrew is used some 25, it's almost exactly 2,500 times in the old, in the old Testament that I think it's, it is like the second use, second most used word in the old Testament behind the names of God himself. So when you start seeing like, this whole like the prom the land promise in the Old Testament like this, you want to talk about like a central theme we would we would uh, we would call that a, a high semantic occurrence so uh, that's like basically a word that shows up a whole bunch of times probably a good idea to keep to pay attention to it right and and the whole idea is guys you you cannot dwell in this land as my people but act and live just like everyone else did that lived in this land. I'm sending you to this place to redeem it, to be a different, be a force of change of, of fund foundational foundational change. And by the way, and then the, the strong language is other, other places. But if you don't, the land itself will vomit you out. Like it will, it will eject you from its, from, from where it is. Now that's a really interesting idea for us today. We don't usually think in terms of like, hey, if I'm obedient, I get to live in this place. If I'm disobedient, I'm going to end up living in in this place. I mean, I guess you could say, you know, either you get to live in a house or you get to live in jail. One, or, you know, one or, one or the other. Like, but we don't connect geographical location to sort of a spiritual obedience as much. But that's very much what is going on here. So when he says, like, I want you to prosper. The idea is, I want you to live in a live in a place where I am where I'm dwelling. You know what, Joel? I I know you just came across um, from the Israelite perspective of how the scriptures speak to us, but I sit here and I look at who God is is what's jumping out at this um, passage, saying, "You know what? I am a just God. I'm there is consequences to your disobedience." But I love you. And I often think sometimes our view of God is this this kind of judge with a hammer, you know, and gavel saying, you did wrong. And it's, you know, or it's that teddy bear love that you're okay. And God's like got both of these things going on in this scripture here. He's got a lot of love that he wants this to, these Israelites to prosper. He has plans for them, but he's saying, Hello, just like that father figure, you're not listening to me. You're not doing what I've asked you to do, and there will be consequences. Yep, and love is not, and again, all, love is not love if it is permitting you to do the thing that will ultimately destroy you and your people and will ultimately cut you off from relationship with God. 
Like that's a father. It's like, hey, you know, it's like mm-hmm. any father or parent says like, hey, I'm going to let you continue on in this behavior pattern that's drawing a wedge between the two of us. Uh, you know, I'm going to let you ca- carry on that because I love you and I'm just, I want to be gracious to you. Um, that is not love if you know, as as an all-powerful, all-knowing God, if you know that at the end of this course of behavior, there will be no relationship. Uh, there will be there will be just death and destruction, and you know, and then we don't get to commune together uh, anymore. So sometimes our love takes on, and this is you know, this for, for us as parents, it's like uh, we maybe get a little glimpse into the into the heart of God here to say sometimes our love says says difficult things, speaks hard truths because we have to interrupt a a, a cycle or a system of behavior that is ultimately gonna going to have major consequences and actually in cut off relationship, which all throughout this, that's what God's trying to preserve. Which very much happened because he said for 70 years, this is going to be the case. Yeah, it's not going to be short time. It's not going to be a long time. Uh, Before we get too much further, I'd just like to say uh, that was a well-flexed Hebrew muscle there that you you threw out of the blue. It only cost about $30,000, guys. That right there. It's just... That was that was all. The other is, I always thought, you know, the Lord is letting us live in Indiana, and if we did wrong, we had to go to Ohio. <laughs> I was thinking more Michigan right now because I sure don't want to live in strong, Michigan right now. Strong, yeah. strong. Hey, hard uh, words. as this story goes on, though, I think something really interesting happens, and that is that the Lord says, "Hey, you got to go to the temple. All right, go to the temple courts and give this message, just as though I say it. I'm just the the, the exact words I say. Repeat this." And basically, Jeremiah goes and says, listen, again, you haven't been listening. Here's the deal. You have to listen. Uh, And the Lord even says he may change his mind and that this might not happen. And so it's interesting how everybody is listening, listening, listening. You don't sense that there's a lot of interruption to this message. And as soon as Jeremiah is done speaking, the mob of religious leaders says, kill him. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's kind of really the heart issue. It, it's showing so clearly the heart issue that's going on in that section of Scripture. False prophets, I mean, we just skimmed through this. False prophets, they they begin to rise up saying, listen, it's not going to be 70 years. It's, it's going to be easier. It's going to be two years. It's not going to be that big of a deal. And, uh, and the reality is, uh, <laughs> I love this part of the story. You know, when we miss the context, we miss some really good parts because Jeremiah has this encounter with a guy named Hananiah. And he's like, Hananiah, you're, you're not saying what the Lord's intending here. You're actually softening this message. You're telling people two years. So here's the deal. All right, the Lord is against you. All right, I'm just going to tell you this super <laughs> oh, clearly. Oh, and uh, you're, uh, here's, the, here's the reality. You're going to die. And I love it. I don't love it that somebody died. That's that's not my point here. But I love the clarity of it because it just shows again the nature of of, of how important this is to God. Uh, it ends the verse seventeen. Uh, too much later, the prophet Hananiah died. Yeah. Boom. The end. Uh-huh. Game it, over. It it happened. And I, it's an interesting idea that in difficult times, people will arise to try to rescue us from our hardship, and that. That doesn't necessarily mean they are on the Lord's side. Like, so, so think uh, that's man. That in of itself, it's a lesson to us, right? Like, there's an opportunity there. Absolutely. Before we go too much further, though, I also want to make one other observation that I think for our listener today, this is important and it's critical in our day and age. Basically, the Lord was saying to the the children of Israel, "I get to choose who I'm giving my authority, my blessing to." All right, this is this is something I get to choose. So they are saying, well, you're not really going to let Babylon 
outright invade us because that's not who you are. And God's saying, I get to choose. All right, we look in this day and age, we look at what's happening in Russia, Ukraine, Israel, we, we see all the geopolitical things going on around here, and we're like, well, well, we're a great nation. Some people look at America, and we still say, well, we're a Christian nation. Listen, to the listener, listen, no, we're not. All right, <laughs> let, me, let me just say this clearly as I can. We are not. Are there followers of Jesus in the United States of America? Absolutely. Does the United States of America need revival? Completely. But we have to stop saying we act like a Christian nation because we don't. But we, I am, listen, I am as proud to be an American as anybody. However, I think if America needs to, to do anything, we need to wake up and say, what does the Lord ask of us? And yeah. what are we doing to be obedient in this area? Because do not forget, we act as though, well, you know, we're always just going to be safe. And I just say, hang on a second. The Lord gets to choose what he wants to do with his power. Yep. Yep. That's, uh, well, I mean, that that's the point. And, and you know, and again, I, I think as Jeremiah, you know, is speaking to the people, um, to come back to the original, you know, come back to the original verse, it's it's a sense of, listen, in, in the midst of all this, do not think that I am a God that is sitting up here capriciously, like just in getting, you know, a lot of kicks and giggles out of out of seeing hardship on you. Um, so please know in the even in the midst of your hardship, I still desire good. I desire good for you. I ultimately desire good for you. I, I think. You know, and you know, Joel, what you're saying there is exactly what he was telling them. But what, when was he telling? Was he telling them when they were in the land of milk and honey and enjoying the good life and had everything figured out? He was actually getting to this promise that he had for them, that he wanted for them, his desire for them. It was actually when they were in exile. In exile, right? And yet, at the same point, I I hundred percent agree with that. And you have to think, though, that for 23 years he was trying to tell them this. Yeah. Well, right? Yeah. Listen, my way is the best way. But then he specifically gets to this point and he simply says, while they're in exile, hey, listen, here's the deal. Uh, Jeremiah is writing this letter. This is reality. Live life while you're there. Multiply. All right. Uh, there is a promise coming. There is a hope coming. I do desire your well-being. Uh, when we really break down this verse, though, I think that we get hung up on the concept of prosper. Mm-hmm. Well, we live in a day and age we see prosper as different. I think the, the uniqueness of this is one way you can translate the word prosper is the welfare. Yeah. I, I my desire is for your well-being, yeah. and I think we see it as wealth. Uh, prosperity. I'm going to be successful. No, he's saying my my goal is your well-being. And I think it's an important way we have to look at this translation. I know the plans. I have a plan. You need to follow my plan. My plan is for your well-being. Pay attention to that. Do those things. But guys, as we as we begin to wrap it down, and I know we could talk about this topic for quite a while, I feel like uh, we want to respect the listener and their time today. When we really look at something, in my opinion, that we want to take out of these chapters, I think there's a couple things that we need to really consider, and that is, what if we really paid more attention to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12, or verse 13, than we do verse 11? And and it's simply saying uh, in that section of Scripture, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. 
you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I think that right there, oh. isn't that what really the Lord is asking yeah. of us? He's not yeah. saying, just sit back and wait for the prosperity to arise. Our actionable point, if we want to take something out of the character of who God is, is he's saying, hey, seek me, you'll find me. Yep. But there's a condition to that, when you seek me with all your heart. And, and I would challenge us today, when was the last time we really sought the Lord with all our heart? Uh, I think you alluded to something earlier in this podcast. You talk about we, we live in a microwave uh, culture, Angie, and, yes. and and the reality is we want it now. now. But when was the last time we really sought the Lord with all our heart? Right. And I think so oftentimes, um, as I was listening to this, we often see God in the in the now rather than the big picture. Because when we even look, and I think you said this, this is our welfare, but you said this on Sunday, and I think we all have to remember this as listeners and as disciples, that God's welfare looks different than what we see as welfare. We this this is a we're in our earthly bodies we're here but his idea of welfare is eternity mm-hmm. eternity with him and so as you were um, preaching on Sunday it's just as this idea of God's looking down I thought of this um, concept that is out there and you may have heard of it it's called the overview effect where an astronaut looks down on the Earth it's the whole idea when you see the great expanse of Earth from Moon is they often experience a sense of awe and clarity known as the overview effect. And I'm like, isn't that a little bit about who God is looking down over the expanse of our lives that we get a little, "Mm, let's step back, see it in eternity, and it's in awe and clarity that the goal is heaven here, Chris, right? It's perspective. Yeah. The, in heaven is when we live out that, we change what we do. We we seek God in a different way. And even I think the the moments might turn into more like weeks, days, years. And it in a way, we see the bigger picture every day. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's two things. So uh, I think if we really want to take something away from the section of Scripture, we have to say, am I seeking the Lord with all my heart? The other thing is, I think we have to ask the question, am I really listening to what the Lord is asking of us? So Joel, my, my, my challenge to you, my friend, go home and start making some new signs. There we go. Maybe some just attachment signs mm-hmm. you can put under the sign that says Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. If you just start making 12 and 13 Beautiful. signs, it would just be extend the wall hangings Beautiful. just a little bit. Hobby Lobby, just, I'm coming for you. Say, I, I think God I says, have Are you eight listening? in just my kitchen sitting here. Wow. <laughs> Eight. Eight. But no Jeremiah 29. Okay. 11. Well, not that we, yeah. And and again. We know. weren't going to judge you. Yeah. On air. Go. Yeah. <laughs> sign. What's your sign? I'm telling yeah. you, that is a true thing of when you go. But we have to take this and not just put our scriptures up on a yeah. sign. We have to live it out. We have to we have to make the choice and, daily. And here's the deal. We live, we live, uh, Post and in the midst of of New Testament reality of a of a Jesus who is available to us for, for by the way by the way who is who has taken up residence for those of us that have put our trust in Him has taken up residence in us in us so uh, you know that's the thing like I I know it, it just sounds I don't want to over oversimplify it because if for any of us that are following after Jesus we know these realities are difficult but it is. When when we we have a a God who has come as close to us as close can possibly be near to us as near can possibly be and that is because 
he's taken up residence within us. So he's, you know, for those of us that are uh, that know him, put our trust in him. He's with us, he's with us all the time. So uh, I, it, let me just I think we can just safely say, um, if we're not hearing from the Lord, it's not that he has moved too far away from us uh, to to be heard and. Um, and I think this is a little, we'll just give a little bit of a plug and a promo. We're about ready to enter into the Lenten season here. And this is a season where we talk a lot about slowing down, getting quiet, preparing for Resurrection Sunday and Easter. And I think um, this is a time, it, as we've been talking about, I mean, gosh, I don't. we don't normally talk about Jeremiah 29 in, as a, a precursor to uh, the realities of Lent and all of that, but I would say, if we're if we are seeking the Lord, um, if we're seeking the Lord with our whole heart, one of the ways that we can do that is to provide provide some quiet space to to slow down, to reflect, and to hear. And so, uh, we're entering into a season where we're going to try to be doing that, just as a as a team here at Walking MC, and we want to invite people into that as well. So. Um, guys, thanks. Another great conversation here today with Misquoted. Glad to have uh, everybody with us and uh, hope this conversation has been helpful to you as well. Um, as, as always, you can uh, connect with us over at walkiemc.org. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, anybody on our team, uh, we have these episodes available. There are other resources available, but looking forward to uh, continuing on the conversation. So until next time, friends, we wish you grace and peace. At Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C.org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.